Welcome in to Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy, Mike Renner, ready to freaking rip it up, dude. It's it's like the first like legit podcast mm-hmm. we're able to do. We're reacting to actual NFL and college football. Have a loaded podcast here today. We're going to cover the NFL Week 1 storylines, little Joey Burrow, young cornerbacks. There was a ton of rookies that played in Week 1, but also a ton of young corners that none of them looked all that great. Some had better games than others, but we're going to talk to the young cornerbacks that played in NFL Week 1. Also going to look at college football storylines. Is Brock Purdy actually Brock Turdy? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people want to say it right now. We'll see. I don't want to say that. that. You don't want to say that? I don't want to say Turdy ever in my life, but I (laughs) just did. Is Texas back? going to talk some other things there we got shots new segment on the two for one drafts podcast where we just do quick hitters from around college football talk on some oh, more we're actually there. gonna do shots I no we're not gonna more actually... excited about that but okay we can do shots i guess whatever not gonna actually do shots then we're gonna raise a glass to one of the better college football players performances from the past weekend uh gonna talk trevor lawrence for that one pour one out how are you just gonna like give it away you have to give it away you always like give all the stuff away who doesn't want to give it away like when you have an interview you just like tell them everything that nah, that's kind of true interview. i do feel like i over <laughs> <laughs> the interviews okay well we got poor one out segment highlighting a bad performance in college football fake id shut up fake id highlighting um an underclassman that balled out in college football rolling rooks top guess five that one yeah you can easily guess that one rolling rooks top five rookies from this past week and then a blackout segment an nfl rookie that will not ever want to see the game tape again mm-hmm. and then lastly a bar fight where we fight over a prospect performance from the past week all right before we get into that mike how was your weekend <sighs> I ended up on old takes exposed. It was a good weekend outside of that. And in my defense, I'm, I'm going to try to justify it. I mean, I said that Florida State, best. I think they have the best defensive line in the nation, starting their starting defensive line. Now, Alabama goes deeper in terms of talent, but I think their starters are the best. The thing, And so I said they're going up against Georgia Tech, and I even said this on the preview, or I said this actually, uh, what was it, on, in my uh, mailbag for the past week, I think there's something. It was something that... It was, no, it was an AMA on the Discord, which you had to check out our Discord. Go check out our Discord. There, someone asked me about Kando against Georgia Tech. And I'm like, eh, it's not a great matchup to watch him for. They don't have a great offensive line. You'd rather see him against you know, a better offensive line. They didn't play. Those guys didn't play much. Like the, 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 three starter, the three guys that I love along that offensive line, Corey Durden, Joshua Kando, Marvin Wilson, obviously. Wilson played 45 snaps, but Durden only plays 26, and then Kando only 18. Like that, that's why they didn't dominate in that game, and then well, that's why they also lost in that game against. It was Georgia also a really Tech, so. weird game, though. Like lightning delay, heavy mm-hmm. rain, ton of wind. I feel like you weren't prepared for that. You weren't looking at weather on Saturday. I'll tell you that uh, I was right not now. Should have yeah. Talk about my weekend. Should have a Saturday's place. Renner is lining up eighteen Miller lights as a scoreboard. He says, "I'm going for thirty. Already glazed. There's not a shot in hell. I didn't make it to thirty. That same. I didn't drink as much as you did. I ended up having dinner with George Chahuri and a little story from that one brought ben Lindsay with me another analyst here at pff mm. and george there's two things about george for those who don't know george Curry is our uh, C, uh cro here also the director of content he likes to eat out at nice dinners he asked me to go to dinner i tell him very last minute i'm bringing ben Lindsay. you're not going to skyline yeah you're not going to skyline with um george Curry. that's for damn sure but uh, asked me to go to dinner. We're going to Jeff Ruby's. Ben Lindsay's with me. We're locked in on that. And Ben Lindsay's wearing like a battered up long sleeve tee and swim trunks because he was at your pool. pool. And uh, George gets hot pretty quick. That guy can get a temper pretty quickly. He was 
fucking livid that uh, <laughs> Ben Lindsay came with us to Ruby's. And so he comes with us. We try and get a table for three on a Friday, or it was a Saturday. And when they go to walk us to our table, Ben Lindsay takes the lead. And like everyone in the <laughs> restaurant's like, who is this fucking guy? I can't believe Ben even wanted to go at that point. Like I wouldn't. <sighs> When the last thing I want to do when then I then he couldn't find his keys for a little bit. Try to spend money oh, dude, on nice so food, bad. you know. Like that's like I'm not. I know I'm not going to appreciate it. I'd rather just like I'd rather appreciate like Taco Bell at that point. Tastes as good. It, as It was Jeff honestly Reed's. incredible that uh, George kept his lid on for sure. But it, it was a good weekend overall. Didn't drink as much as you did, but I don't envy that necessarily. Let's get into these NFL Week One storylines, Mike. Starting with our guy. Joe Burrow, first time we've seen him take an NFL snap, and I think it looked a lot like the first time Joe Burrow's ever seen an NFL snap. I don't necessarily think that he was put in a position to succeed, both behind that offensive line and with, you know, you talked about before the podcast, the five-man protections. What were your thoughts? Let's first break it down, like, first three quarters. The first three quarters of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, what were your opinions? See, I feel like they put training wheels on him. It was like a classic game plan of don't let Joe Burrow lose us the game. You know, don't put him in any situations where he's going to have to, you know, make it make a downfield read and put one over a linebacker or whatever that just wasn't in the game plan it was a lot of underneath stuff rpos screens quick game to start off trying to protect him trying not to get him killed behind that offensive line just easing him into the game which i get that like that's you have a bad offensive line against a very good edge rushing duo for the chargers and you have your rookie quarterback making his first start with no preseason like it's you don't want to shoot his confidence you know, down the drain right out the gate so I can understand that, but I just feel like with the personnel that they have, like they kept putting five out in a row with, you know, tight ends that aren't going to be winning one-on-ones. Like they don't have a good tight end. Not a big C.J. Uzama fan. And you have, you know, A.J. Green, John Ross, like say what you want about John Ross, but the dude can separate. I I just would have liked to see more play action shots, a little more, uh, you know, let him max protect and let him work a two-man concept, something like that, to try to get a guy open down the field. Because only seven play action on 44 dropbacks. They ran all day. Now, some of that was that he took about a dozen dropbacks at the end of the game where you knew they weren't going to do play action in like the two-minute drill. So some of that's that. But I still would have liked to have seen more as the game went on. Hopefully we see more this Thursday against the Browns. But the two-minute drill is what gets all the attention. It was what I think Burrow is... That's who he's going to be at the NFL level is a guy who is just very calm and collected. And it was a very Breeze Brady-esque two-minute drill in that he just took what's there and got him to the line, got everyone where they're supposed to be, and then took what's there again. And then just kept going, knowing that you have time. You don't, you, you don't need to get all that yardage on one play to run it when you have that amount of time. So I do think that, that him being able to do that when it was all on him I'd like to see them put more on him next week, like mm-hmm. offensively. He showed that he can do it. Uh, so I think you need to open up that offense just a little bit as we go here. I mean, put more on him, run more play action, keep more guys in to protect. I think those are all areas yeah. that they can improve. I mean, my notes here, missed a couple open passes. The A.J. Green bomb. AJ Green was, the A.J. Green one was brutal. A, a couple early out routes, too, is what I saw. The two flips were bad. No, the three flips. He had the two forward passes that were like sidearm flips, that one getting picked, and then the one back to to mix in that almost got recorded. Like he got a little too creative in some None of, of this. The more <laughs> that, flips. You need, I Overhand only. No, <laughs> No on, more John. flips from him. And then I, so I put in my notes here too. That I thought he started to get more 
more comfortable about 40, 45 offensive plays in. They started to run more play action. The game was on him, and I thought his pocket presence was good. I thought he stepped up really well, sometimes a little early, but still, like, he knew that like he was a bit in control, and you don't see that with rookie quarterbacks all the time. You compare him to a guy like Baker Mayfield, who seeing ghosts of late. Burrow's not seeing ghosts. So I think he was really confident. That last drive, man, the, I thought the OPI was soft, so soft on A.J. Green. So, okay, I got a different take on OPIs because it's because DPI, at any point in time, if a defender reached out and pushed an offensive guy like that, Oh, there's yeah, it's called every time. 100%. You know, if, if a defender does what Michael Gallup did to Jalen Ramsey that everyone was complaining about, it's a pass interference every single time. So I'm almost never of the opinion that OPIs are bad calls. It's only when it's like a pick play or like a perceived pick play that I get upset a lot of OPIs. But if it's like a one-on-one and you get a guy you yeah. know, trying creating separation like that, it's almost always, in my opinion, a OPI because if the defender were to do it, it would be the same thing. So that's just my take on that. I, but anyway, I thought that pass was great. But I thought when he pass. scrambled out right and hit AJ Green, he couldn't keep his feet in bounds. Was also good. Same with the John Ross bobble on the on the out. I thought like there were a lot of good, a lot of good accurate passes late in the game. Like I said, about forty plays in, he earned a sixty one point six PFF grade in this one. Moving forward, more storylines here. Um, young corners, Mike. Yeah. Which, so let's talk about the guys that did well first, or at least you know above expectation, considering none of them had played an NFL snap before this. Who are some names in the secondary? Those rookies that looked good for you: C.J. Henderson for the Jags, Dude, and they played a good awesome. they played a good deal of man coverage, and he was he would be on T.Y. or Paris Campbell when they did go to that, and the speed aspect you could just tell. And he had two; he had obviously the game winning pass breakup. And uh, had a pass breakup earlier in the game on pretty much the exact same thing, just a hitch from T.Y. Hilton. But it's, he can break on those balls because he knows he's fast enough that like T.Y. Hilton's not going to get behind him. He's going to make that ground up. So uh, I thought that was a very encouraging first start from him. About as encouraging a first start from a corner we've seen since maybe like Marshawn Lattimore, like back. I think years he finished ago the week as the really, highest graded corner, not regardless, regardless of. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, veterans versus rookies. I thought that the, the interception was schemed, but I still think you have to give credit for the execution on what he did mm-hmm. on the out route there. And also came up and tackled that one big defensive stop on third down. Everyone hated on him for not tackling. Yeah. He came up and made a big play on third down there as well. Also, other note I had in here, dude was talking a little shit. And he did not do that at uh, Florida. We've interviewed him on the podcast before. talked to him at least. He's very soft-spoken, doesn't get in people's heads. But he was feeling it against T.Y., getting into his head a little bit. I thought uh, that overall, that performance from C.J. Henderson was great. Let's jump a little bit. Is there another corner you liked? Jalen Johnson also, I'll say. Uh, he, another guy, two, two rookies had game-winning pass breakups. He had True, against yeah. the Lions, pretty wild. The game uh, was on Jalen Johnson, too. It was easy to get out of position there. Yeah. It was a deeper pass. Like It was kind of on Tracked him to make well. that play. And honestly, the two catches he did give up, one he's right at the catch point. Another one was just like a cover four beater that I'm not sure any yeah. corners are make breaking. He on. did a speed those, turn, and I thought he was going to yeah. get there. Nice hit on TJ Hawkinson on that play. Yeah, so like there was not... Uh, a lot he could have done better in this game, to be honest. I thought he was very solid top to bottom outside of just getting annihilated. By oh, Martin no, the Jones. truck stick was unfortunate. That was very unfortunate. That's we like, put that on the main are, account. It yeah. was just not great. People are going to see that and be like, oh, Jalen Johnson fucking bust. I thought, no, I thought, I thought his really size well. was good, though. Like you, We brought this up before the podcast. There are some rookies who look small in the NFL. I thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire yeah. on Thursday looked very small on that football field. Dude, but, that is so weird. Okay, yeah, I was saying this before. Like a guy, you see him at the college level and – then immediately when they once they get in the NFL field, you're just like, wow, they look completely different to me. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked small, Patrick Queen looked tiny to me, and Joe Burrow's arm looked like weak. And I was like, shit, like I don't remember any <laughs> of these things being quite like that. But it is just funny how that kind of works right out the gate. All right, some other corners. To and I actually highlight. thought Derek Brown looked skinnier. 
Really? Maybe he actually is skinnier because he was like 330. He also got absolutely destroyed against Mm. Richie Incognito, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson. I'll give him a pass on that one. That's a double team. That's probably the best double team duo okay, he's going to face. But, okay, year. outside yeah. of the double team, no, so yeah. he was still getting worked one-on-one against Incognito. Gabe Jackson was giving him the business. Yeah. And when he started playing he, nose he, late in that game, yeah. he had no like no pass rush. Like His pass rush was just to hope a bad pass, like bad a pass. Like yeah. I, I was we'll, not impressed. We'll talk about Kinlaw later in the game, but Kinlaw had a very – an easier draw than that's well than yeah that, uh, much going against yeah. the cardinals interior line that's a much yeah. easier one talking about other corners that maybe didn't play as well i have four names on my list here troy pride jr cameron dantzler trayvon diggs and aj terrell we could also bring up damon arnett his game wasn't as bad he obviously got toasted on the robbie anderson double moon with mm, the i was gonna i was gonna say i wouldn't i would put damon arnett in that category before okay I put, let's put him in there let's he's before in i put he's trayvon diggs so that trayvon diggs is a little better than arnett arnett I mean, getting smoked that badly on a double move is rough. And then their insistence, the Raiders' insistence on playing LaMarcus Joyner at slot corner, and Eric Harris blows that tackle, which... That was a bad play by Eric Harris. Very bad play. That made that play look a lot worse because that's what... I mean, that's why you have a middle-of-the-field safety so that doesn't turn into a touchdown. But, yeah. All right, we'll start with Troy Pride Jr. My, I had notes here. I thought he was picked on in the run game. Like, they were trying to get after him, get outside, and, and put some blocks on him. He was, And then I'll see. Also, he got toasted by Aguilar on the inside uh, move. He just didn't look as fast. Like, Aguilar beat him there. Like, beat him to the punch the whole way through. I think he was late on the snap. But uh, two yeah, bad plays there. Troy Pride was not a guy I foresaw starting week one. You <laughs> yeah. know, uh, coming out. Like, I thought he was a nice ancillary piece who could develop. So, him starting week one is out of necessity the fact that they're just all like they're so young defensively yeah. there in carolina so uh how about cameron dancer so dancer got torched by marcos valis scaling but honestly the fact that he was a soft burn mike it was not torched he did not get torched like damon arnett got okay. torched i mean it was a straight go route and he well, was i would there. say troy pride jr on the nelson aglor touchdown got more torched his yeah. hands were nowhere near yeah. that ball but cameron dancer was at least close yeah. in phase maybe by a half step back okay I, well, I can I can revoke my torch. Thank you, Jesus. He got thrown it around like candy. Burn. He got seared, <laughs> sort of seared, pan fried. <laughs> uh, so I think the fact though that he is seeing snaps over Jeff Gladney, like he is starting, not Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney's first rounder. He was third rounder. It's wild to me. You don't see that really right out the gate very often. How much is that his size? Do you think? I mean, just wanting to play a bigger corner outside. I I saw that Jeff Gladney in camp was taking more slot snaps than he was Mm. taking outside snaps. Yeah, I mean, that's still worrisome. That is very worrisome. Yeah, I mean, but if you never planned on playing Gladney outside, I don't know. Like, then what's your plan there? I guess I'm not sure. Um, I put in here he had two bad missed tackles against Aaron Jones. That's going to bring down his grade. Lost to the catch points against MVS, Um, and then ends off like just getting beat against Tay Adams a couple times. But Trayvon Diggs, another guy that we have here. Two just bad beats, dude. Bad beats at the Tough. catch point. Right that there. dime from Jared Goff was one of the better throws of the weekend yeah. to Van Jefferson over the top. People are like, all caps, Van Jefferson on the timeline. I was like, dude, he didn't ke- create an inch of separation on that play. Yeah. Just a really, really good throw from Goff. And the other one to number 11. I don't even know who that Rams receiver was, but it was a really good play by Diggs. He was sitting there on the hitch, yeah. and he just had stronger hands and, and brought that one in and almost scored on that play. But outside of that, he had that big stop on third or fourth down. I don't remember what it was. Uh, coming over the top in the run game, I thought Diggs played well overall. His worst play was playing Cooper Cup in the slot in press That's and got absolutely game. wrecked. Yeah, that <laughs> like, one was like torched on that play. That one was never. That was a well torching. Like he, he's a guy. He's he's like the, the Richard Sherman camp where it's like 
you don't have him follow guys because his game doesn't translate to dude the he came to a stop like a freaking bus <laughs> without brakes on that one that was ugly yeah AJ Terrell, I think he was late on everything. Just very late. The game was slow for the guy. Lost in the sauce was a, a note I added in there. Beat on the the DK Metcalf double move. And then other things were just like, I think plays were developing faster than he could recognize. He wasn't playing like a ton of man coverage, like forced to reading some zone concepts. And I just don't think he was ready to play that day. Like, yeah, I mean, that, he just that needs one time. looked like a pretty quintessential uh, like a first preseason outing. For yes, the guy, really did. Where uh, that's gonna, there's gonna be a good deal of those. That's kind of how like Derek Brown's look too. Mm-hmm. It's just like that guy was not quite ready for the speed of what the NFL is about to look like. Yep. Like, and those are tough at this point. Like, I'm not gonna read too much into that when a guy just doesn't look like. Oh no, you, you can't overreact to that. Yeah. You can't overreact to that. All right. Well, before we jump to college era, because we're talking about late and just games too fast, I wanted to touch. Ooh, on I actually the- know who we didn't even touch on in the cornerbacks because it was Thursday. But Legarius Sneed was impressive yes the fact that he comes in after playing safety last year at la tech fourth rounder again troy prize fourth round you're not expecting much but i thought legerious need looked like he belonged on a football field playing cornerback in the nfl right now it was a good matchup for him because he's a fast guy who can who also is long and he's going up against a bunch of fast wide receivers so he was and who aren't particularly like agile wide receivers think that's the guys who are going to give him fits but he can go stride for stride with Will Fuller, with Brandon Cooks, and he did. And he had a pass break. I'm going to pick. It was a gimme pick, but the pass break was pretty nice. Yep. Uh, Jalen Johnson had that nice pass breakup that led to an interception. I thought that was one of his better plays of the day. Uh, before we jump to college football and look at our college football week two storylines, I wanted to touch on the linebackers just real quick. Uh, Kenneth Murray, Patrick Queen, Isaiah Simmons, all those guys looked like a week one preseason game, in my opinion. Isaiah Simmons, probably the worst of them all, got beat on the most or touchdown run in a Texas route. I thought Patrick Queen couldn't get off blocks, was late to fly to the ball. Same with Kenneth Murray. And, and Patrick Queen's box score didn't look bad. A couple defensive stops, forced fumble and a sack, but like a bulk majority of the plays, I think he had like 10 negatively graded plays somewhere in that range, were just like not getting off the ball. Like he was just not firing forward like we saw at LSU. And this is an interesting conversation about which position would you say has the is most behind the eight ball coming in the NFL uh, with no preseason. Mm-hmm. Like, And I, I would say it's linebacker. Like the reason all these guys look bad is because, one, you're going up against your own you know, offense all preseason. You don't get to see anyone else's yeah. concepts. Like you're gonna, you're seeing things that you haven't seen at any level of football once you get to the NFL with just the way that the speed of the game and what the what they run at that level. So I think just the amount you have to process in any given play, you're not gonna. It's your the speed of the game is not gonna be there. And we saw it for Devin White last year. He he had that and for Devin half Bush. yeah half half about about half the season last year. He just wasn't playing near the speed we saw at LSU. And I just think that that is something that uh, comes in time. And they were never going to look great right out the gate. Isaiah Simmons, though, was the more worrisome one because that was those were just like coverage play. Those were not necessarily like that's not him having to read run. They were very single responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you he doing? He was in man coverage against the running back and gave up a was six. I have here uh, absolutely manhandled against George Kittle, and then just fooled by Raheem Mostert. And then after that, I got kind of got tricked on the Jarek McKinnon touchdown. Like, I mean, that, that those were the McKinnon one was the one where the game looked too fast. The other one's like, dude, just, those guys just beat you. dude. Yeah. Like they beat you in one on one situations and you lost. And he's also 
we said it coming out. He did not play linebacker at Clemson. So <laughs> yeah, and there the, in the 49ers were doing a lot of pre-snap motions to put him as the over center middle linebacker. And it, when he was in those situations, the dude was a fish out of water. Like very much struggled in, in that those situations. All right, let's jump to the college football storylines. Only a couple here. Um, we already mentioned you ended up on old takes exposed. Can we can we touch on that a little bit? No. No, we already touched on it. Okay, fine, fine. Um, I will say, though, when you, your, your old takes exposed was Florida State's going to blow out Georgia Tech. And when I get to the, your uh, pool, you're like, it's going to be a bloodbath. You're just telling everybody to bet minus 13 and a half Florida State. Well, was- uh, I also said to bet Louisiana against Iowa State and Duke against Notre Dame. And you, you're sharp. Covered, you're so. freaking sharp. All right, so. let's talk Brock Purdy then. You want to yes. talk about Louisiana? You want to talk about Iowa love State? To talk about Brock Purdy. What the hell happened? That was bad. I think he's solidified he's not going to be in this quarterback class with a performance like that. You just can't have that on tape the year before you're trying to get drafted, trying to be a first-round pick. And it's going to be a pretty loaded quarterback class, maybe sitting out or not sitting out, but coming back for 2022 is the right decision in the first place in terms of making himself more money. But it's just like nothing was clicking. It was just a very all-around poor performance. But I also, one of the biggest takeaways from watching – that all the way to the next day was that he's not going to put up good stats this year. His, his talent around him. And Charlie Kolar missed bad. that game. Yeah. I think if it was he was a late out on that Charlie game. Charlie Kolar, it's bad. Like it's Dude, his receivers were not creating him. separation, a ton of drops. Yeah. Or I don't think it was a ton, but it was at least a handful of drops. Um, but even then, though, he still didn't look good in other areas either. Yeah. He, the accuracy was the part that I was a little sad about. Like he missed probably like three, not necessarily open guys, but just like three, like, makeable throws down the football field and one like he missed so badly it should have been picked off he just had some rough reads there uh my favorite question of the podcast and i hope i get to ask it every single one is texas back i picked them to make the playoffs so of course i think they're <laughs> back i i do think though ellinger yes it was against what utsa or was it utep one of those two. They're the same school to me. Uh, it was well, they against, were plus 43-point favorites. It was or minus yeah, 43. It, it was whatever. Like, terrible, terrible school. What was encouraging to me, and I said this before, what he needed to do differently this year was he was quick to quick to break out of clean pockets and quick to scramble when he felt pressure and, like, run. Only two scrambles on the day, didn't take a sack, and went 7 of 11 under pressure for something like 108 yards. Like, he looked good, made some throws down the field when he was faced with pressure. And it's... It's not like uh, UTS, a guy in your face, if he plays for UTSA, is not too much different than a guy in your face who plays for Alabama. Like, a guy in your face is a guy in your face. You still got to step in and make a throw. A guy in your face is a guy in your face, dude. That I mean, sounds like Saturday, how Saturday ended up. But, dude, uh, you, were, you had beers in your face, is what you had, dude. You were, I cannot believe how early uh, you, went, you turned down that night. I that was, was actually pretty glad. I woke up at like 5.30 a.m. on Sunday, ready to go. Um, <laughs> Playing the Notre Dame, uh, we are the Irish fight song. That was Saturday. Brock Purdy earned a uh, 56.3 overall grade in this one. Not a good look for Purdy. You're going to jump now to AG's shots here. Just jump here. backwards from Ellinger, who was we were talking Oh, about. wait. we did. I did just jump backwards from Ellinger. I don't know why. Ellinger earned like an 82.6 and was pretty – it was just an all-around solid performance from Ellinger. Just like he has to be, though, to to get into the first-round conversation, clean slate. Like he has to not – like every game that he should dominate, he has to dominate. Like Burrow year. last year. Exactly. That's like he – because he that's the kind of tools that he has. He doesn't have above-average – physical or uh you know arm tools so all right you ready for ag shots let's do some quick hits here for college football i'm gonna start with this one jackson carmen liam eikenberg and sam cosme all finished the week with zero pressures allowed thoughts on those performances 
necessary. That's how, that's that's, like, that's the box you need to check if you're those guys. Uh, yeah, I would have been a little. The Carmen one's interesting because he was actually going up against a real Boogie. deal. Yeah, Boogie Basham, a real edge rusher there. But we'll touch on that a little later about why I'm not. I'm not going to read too much into what he did against Boogie Basham, considering how quick they got the just, ball. Yeah, on that Trevor Lawrence just nullifies your pass rush. It was like 2.2 <laughs> seconds was his average. Uh, Andre Cisco, I didn't think he had a great game. I think there was a play where he was working from the slot that he kind of got beat on a on a move there. But outside of that, he showed off really nice range on the INT. Yeah. I thought that looked really nice. His in- you yep. you tweeted something out of that he either knows the play or something like that. But it's the instincts that yeah. really get him the pat you know the ball production, passes defense, the interceptions, and I think he had, you know he obviously has the speed. And then you've combined that with instincts. What is that? That um, was that the vision head start that fucking Sam Sam coined VHS the vision head start for Andre Cisco but um he that Syracuse defense though was absolutely atrocious it was so hard to watch that game like I mean Andre Cisco is one of the few like good players on that team I thought Troy Williams was going to make some plays um but I like I, I like <laughs> I, Williams, but I, I liked uh yeah. but there's another guy I mean I say it's atrocious but I thought uh if he made some good moves in that one as well is that Obi's brother it is Obi's brother, or I mean, it could be a cousin. I'm actually not sure. So my notes for Melifon were a couple good reps and press, played the slant pretty nicely, two PBUs, I believe. But then when they played him an off, like just wasn't closing on the ball a ton. And then there was one play on a, like a screen or like a flare out that he like throws a receiver to the ground and makes play on the on the ball, which I thought was great. So I'm ready to fall in love with the Melifonwu again because I thought <laughs> Obi Melifonwu was going to be me sick. once. Shame on you. <laughs> I thought Obi Melifonwu was going to be sick. What was your opinion of him coming out of UConn? I was a fan. I thought. There was just no, man, there was no killer instinct, though, apparently. I mean, like not at just, all. Yeah. I mean, not, the, the off-field about him was that he just didn't like the game and, and couldn't yeah. play through injuries. That's and what, small like, ones. that's the, what every, uh, you know, evaluator points to when they're like a guy. He has other, he has other hobbies. That's, <laughs> Jerry Obi, Tillery had, Obi had other hobbies. Jerry Tillery likes tennis. Like, <laughs> Jesus, stop, calm the hell down. The other thing I want to mention here, and then there was two underclassmen I wanted to touch on. They're not fake IDs, but can I just get a little words in? First one, though, before we get to those guys, is Tutu Atwell. Yeah. His usage is still so gadgety. And even the two receptions he did have that weren't like near or behind the line of scrimmage, off coverage against the slot, not a big catch radius. I know he's got speed. I know he can do damage after the catch. But he's one of those guys that I think when he does get to the NFL, he's going to look smaller, Mike. And, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, and I don't necessarily think he's going to look as fast either. Like I thought he looked good in this game when he had the ball in his hands. But like I'm starting to think more and more that like how valuable is a gadget player like Tutu Atwell? Yeah. I I mean, and if I was an offense coordinator in college, I would use him as a gadget player too. Like I would get a, I would get the ball in his hands. You're an offense coordinator in the NFL. Possible. You're going to use him as a gadget player. Yeah, but I, I will agree that we need to see more from him in terms of like real routes. I'd be very year. I'd be I don't think he sees a hundred press snaps this year. They're just not going to let him have it. Yeah. Like they're going to move him around line. No, I mean, he's never going to be that. that yeah. You're just not going to see him win a ton of single coverage matchups because he's just not going to have any. Two underclassmen. I thought Storm Duck played well. Uh, the North UNC Carolina. corner, I thought he was in phase a ton. I, I think he, he got tested deep in single coverage, played press a ton in that game. And I feel like time and time again, I saw him making uh, good plays on the football down the field, which is something I always root for. And then Kyle Hamilton had two pass breakups where click and close, playing it in front of him. The nerd in you safety. You barely remember it, dude. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but I thought he looked really good as well. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's mm-hmm. one of the better players on that team. Uh, he's the best player on that team, in fact. That guy's, I mean, he's just very good. I haven't seen a Notre Dame player that good since... Jalen Smith? No, that, he's the best Notre Dame player I've seen in mind. Oh, like, my like, goodness. He's very good. Say that take proudly, Mike. That's heavy. I, I just that guy, he can do 
a lot of things that you'd like to see a safety do in the NFL. I'm a big fan of this game. All right, before we jump to our raise a glass, pour one out, and fake ID. Segment, enjoy those shots, though. I yeah, feel, enjoy those shots. I feel those drunk. Shots are good. Not as drunk as Saturday. Drunk. Uh, before we jump to the next shots, segments I, here, uh, raise a glass, pour one out, fake ID. We're going to take a quick break here from these sponsors. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. PFF's podcast network, Mike, is honestly fantastic, and we continue to add to it all the time. We have the PFF NFL podcast with Steve Palazzolo and Sam Monson, the PFF Fantasy Football podcast with Ian Harditz, obviously the PFF forecast with George Chahuri and Eric Eager, ourselves, two-for-one drafts, Unexpected Points, a new fantasy football podcast with Kevin Cole, and then Seth Galina, our guy Seth Galina, PFF underscore Zeth has a college football podcast that he's doing weekly and then a daily betting podcast. I'm actually on that podcast on Fridays talking props and Thursday night football review. I would encourage everyone to check out PFF's podcast, a ton of good content coming out on those. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Gyms still closed because of COVID and you don't have any equipment at your home or apartment? MooseFit has a bodyweight program that will push you and challenge you. Heading on a beach vacation and looking to tighten things up a bit? MooseFit has a physique program. Has a physique program. With 15 different pre-made programs, MooseFit has something for everyone. Additionally, MooseFit offers completely customized programs that are unique to each member. Now, no two custom programs are the same. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or create your custom program for you. All workouts are delivered to members through an easy-to-use mobile and desktop application that allows you and your coach to easily track your progress and make any adjustments to your program that may be necessary. Founded by former Army Special Operations CAPT and former Division I athlete turned professional CrossFit athlete, MooseFit is well-equipped to provide you with daily workouts that will challenge you and help you reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use the code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month at MooseFit. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co, not com.co. Who better to raise a glass to than Clemson's Trevor Lawrence? You texted me this morning saying Trevor Lawrence's All-22 is not safe for work, and I would agree. Yeah. I mean, this guy was a machine. I, Seth Galina in an article in the offseason said he looks like a seventh grade flag football player. I did not see that quarterback on the foot. Did you not remember that tweet? Seth Galina, man. He, 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 he said in the early parts of the 2019 Someone's season, gonna have to explain that Trevor to Lawrence uh, was not looking oh, okay. up to snuff, seventh but grade. I thought um, he looked pretty good in this game. Dude, it was, I mean, the amount of NFL throws that he makes out of this world. Like he's, he fit like a, he, he had back to back far hash outs he threw back-to-back 15-yard far hash outs that doesn't like people dude no one gets anyone more you know far hash out gets like the legit nfl draft twitter community just feeling some type of way yeah like gettleman was seeing that gettleman probably flips on the trevor lawrence tape like uh when he feels dude earned a 94.0 daniel jones great in this game yeah it was it was legitimately 
I mean, just about as good a quarterback tape as I've seen at the college level. And now you're playing a shit defense, whatever. It's nothing to do with that. But just in terms of arm talent, throwing the ball where it needs to go with velocity and timing was ridiculous. Like he was getting to his third read and hitting it on time. The, the, the quickness with which 2.2 second time to throw average on, on the game, the quickness with which he just gets to the ball to where it needs to go uh it's just it's out of this world he, he really is uh, and the scary thing is like we usually assume college quarterbacks develop like we, we assume that they get better throughout their college careers but with him we're kind of just like oh he's so good as a freshman you know like that's just who he is but he, he might be getting better like he probably is getting better he's this is his third year of playing college football he probably got better which is scary to think about uh, where he can take his game to in the future. To finish the raise the glass segment, where does Trevor Lawrence suit up next year, and why is it in a New York Jets uniform? <sighs> Man, I, that, I don't want to overreact to Week One, but uh, the Jets look like asshole. <laughs> Holy sh! Like I had to write up the the whatever the the refocus for that game, and so I'm watching on my computer. While I'm at Holy Grail here in Cincinnati watching all the other games and i'm just like i'm like it, it, what was it like 17 nothing in the second quarter an and i'm just like this the jets offense they had 33 yards in the second quarter i'm just like they people can't. had the audacity the audacity in the offseason to jersey swap trevor lawrence in a jags jersey you think gardner Minshew's jags are going to be picking that's what i was going to say i still think jags are probably no after you're freaking you're crazy Gardner Minshew's Jags are not going to pick first overall I'll bet any amount on that they're not picking first overall there are way worse teams in the NFL way worse teams anyway who I mean the Jets is the only but Darnold I still believe in Darnold okay well we'll see I believe in Minch I believe in the Minch all right let's pour one out for your guy Chris Rumpf yeah the Notre Dame uh no Duke edge defender went up against Notre Dame played Liam Eikenberg and company we said as soon as the broadcast turned on Holy shit, this guy is small. Still looks very small. That, obviously, a huge concern. Listed at 235, was 225 last year. So he's going up, going in the right direction, but that's still, Same. that's still not enough. 235 still not enough. He needs to get into the 240. So, honestly, the more I think about it, maybe it's just his new year. He's a redshirt junior. He has another year of eligibility. And I was, maybe he has two now. I don't know how that shit's working with eligibility, but he might have two more years of eligibility. I would just try to keep getting bigger because the thing was, this was – a good a huge game for him because everyone he was going up like this Notre Dame is probably a top five pass checking line in the country like they they are just solid across the board so he was going to get tested every single guy he went up against and he really only had two nice two like nice wins on 27 pass rushes one was a nice outside move one was like a spin to the inside both were against Hainsey though the right tackle and not against Eichenberg left tackle so and then what he did rush from the inside didn't do much of anything. And, and the problem is he's so slight at 235. Just if a guy gets his hand on him and grabs him, he just struggles so much. He has to win on contact immediately or else he doesn't As win. As you'd expect, though, he's 235. And yeah, I mean, how else is he going to win? He just has no power to his game. And on stunts, he's just a non-issue if you get a hand on him. So I, I just don't think this is, he's going to come out this year after seeing this. I, he would, I, I would recommend he goes back to school if he's still only going to be 235. Fake ID segment. This is the guy we'd let in the bar, we'd let in the draft if we could, and it's Spencer Rattler on pay-per-view. Did you pay the $55 to watch Oklahoma take on Missouri State? Probably not. We got the All-22 sent to us that night, I believe, and turned it on, and this guy can rip it. Absolutely rip it. He's got... He's yeah. got feet. He's it was got, worth the price of admission. Yeah, it was. It really was. If I paid it, I think it would have been worth it. He's got feet, and he's got some sexy arm talent. I, I'm, I'm excited mm, about this kid. That sounds like Rex Ryan's combo. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, Spencer Rattler looks honestly Fresh looks like uh, he looks oh. like Kyler Murray to me, just like the way he throws the ball. <laughs> like he has the same release, like the snappy. He kind of like brings it back. I don't know how to describe it. Brings kind of back laterally and just snaps his hips. But dude has a cannon. He he threw like a forty yard corner route that was on a line or 40 yards from from throw to catch and it was on the line 93.5 passing grade in this game 17.1 yards per attempt the way he ran it just when he threw the ball down the football field compared to when Jalen Hurts threw the ball on the football field looked very different in terms of just accuracy and speed that he was letting it rip with so I, this guy it's the most impressive quarterback in the 20 possible 2022 class that I've seen just in terms as of advertised though ability. like everyone's been hyping up this as kid advertised. for so long yeah. I mean it was I mean there's pe- reason people are putting a ton of money on him to win the Heisman in addition to the fact that Oklahoma's won a ton of Heisman I would yeah I'd probably put money on him to win the Heisman he's gonna put up some fucking numbers in that offense all right let's get to the rolling rooks segment top five rookies from week one you go ahead and kick it off number one yeah number one we hit on right CJ Henderson was fucking good five of ten targets 58 yards pick four forced incompletions the game-winning pass breakup I think when he was in man coverage just we said that before that was what he could do but he also made a play in zone he had a pick in zone coverage coming off a nice little uh special call there uh him you know coming off his guy and getting right under the out route not not a, not a ridiculously tough test I'll say like the, the T.Y. Hilton Going up against him, that's who he should Plus be good at against. You know, the guys like he should own Phillip speed did not receivers. Look good yesterday. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he was number one on the list. Number two, Chase Young. He's going to probably be on this list every single week. Like that guy. <laughs> I mean, what he did against Jason Peters, I thought was sweet. Like, yeah. legit bullied him on a couple plays. I thought the run stop he had against Dallas Goddard where he swallowed both him and Boston Scott up was sweet. He beat Jason Peters inside for a run stop. There was a weird, like, Offside thing, but he showed off some juice against Peters as well. I I, I thought the the getting chipped and then spun into the sack was, nice. was like it, 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 it was pretty sweet. I, I'd like to see some more pure wins on the edge, but Peters wasn't giving him up. But still, I feel like he took what Peters gave him yeah. and still put together a really good game. Yeah, and he also had the forced fumble, like game changing type play at the end of the game. Really, just like I said, another guy as advertised. Like that was what you expect from Chase Young, and that's I'm what excited he for delivered. this next guy, Mike. Next guy in the list. Javon this was Kinlaw. fun tape, dude. It was really fun to watch this. Did guy. not expect of talking about guys who look small. He did not look small. He still looked Javon I mean, Kinlaw esque, and he didn't. And his strength, like the, his ability to throw grown men around, translated right out the gate. He was tossing. Was it Mason Cole and Jr. Sweezy there? Get, took Jr. Sweezy. Dude, he to did the double one team. Time. One of the double team he had on uh, near like the Cardinals goal line, where he like didn't get completely pushed off the line. I thought was sweet for him. I mean, he, that's like you're looking the part. You're feeling yeah. like you're NFL ready at that point to play as well as he did against the run mm-hmm. that early. And I know we you know, harp on run defense in the run game, but like I thought looked the part very early for Javon Kenlaw. Yes. So still no real like didn't throw any nice moves at him or anything but to to still be able to still look that physically dominant on an nfl football field that's very encouraging right out the gate so him being the sweezy pass block or pass rush win was tough to watch for sweeze yeah i mean mean, he (laughs) just took his took his shoulder pads and just threw him to the side like that was something that you know got other dts can't do like even Derek brown probably can't do what javon kinlow does because he's not that explosive so Javon Kinlaw, number three on this list. Number four, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Everyone watched him on Thursday night. 
his vision to get in and out of cuts and like fit in between small holes along the offensive line, just kind of like knifing. And then obviously the cut against Justin Reed in the open field. Everyone said it was a perfect fit in that Chiefs offense, and it looks like a perfect fit. In that he Chiefs also got offense. six goal line carries from inside the five and didn't get didn't it get in, any, which was but, kind of hard to watch. But seven broken missed tackles. That was, was the a most. A lot of that was. They just don't have a great interior. Yeah, no, no. I, mean, well, I don't think it was his fault necessarily. Yeah, I think not, it was, he was getting. They're not built for power run games. Yeah. That's but seven forced missed tackles by a rookie in week one is the most we've ever seen. Yeah. So that Clyde Edwards Hilaire lining it up in that regard. Number five, Makai Becton for the Jets. I, I said I was a little worried about him out the gate just in terms of like pass pro. Thought he held up real well. Not a huge test. He went, I said he was going to go up against Hughes. I was dead wrong. He went up against Mario Addison, like 95% of his pass rushing snaps, but gave up a sack to Addison, but that was really the only ugly, ugly rep. He did go up against Hughes once and, you know, tackled him, which I'm not sure if it got called for a hole, but it was, that it one did. was ugly. But uh, I, I thought he held up against Addison really well. Addison's a guy who wants to play kind of win with quicks, not with power. And that's something that you don't see as much of at the college. Like I, I, you didn't see a guy that quick and that skilled at the college level. And for him to only really give up, one pressure, and he handled all the stunts he was uh, tasked with really well. So, Kai Becton, that's a very good start for an offensive tackle rookie week one. Yeah, my notes on Becton, though it was a very early play in the game, was play action. He like sent Jerry Hughes into the underworld on like a toss, like just threw him to the ground and passed. Oh, yeah, I, I was only I watched the run game and that, that he was. Impressive in that, too. He had some, like, big-ass blocks, but the pass pro was what really, mm-hmm. to me, like, I, the run game I wasn't too worried about. The pass pro I was, and he was good in that. The two, He did get beat twice on in the, in, run, in the run game from Madison on, like, some, like, just getting beat kind of quickly off the snap on some slants, but I think I agree. Like, he was, what, the highest-graded rookie this past year on the offensive side of the ball? Not this past year. In week one, I believe he finished with the highest of overall grade line. of any rookie Anyway. Offensive player. Yeah, oh, really? That's, uh, that's where he finished. All right, last two segments here. The blackout segment. We don't have to bury this guy. We already talked about it a little bit, but Isaiah Simmons didn't look good. I mean, he had he got manhandled by Javon, uh, Gerald Kitt, George Kittle. Raheem Mostert ran the Texas route and took it to the crib. And then Jarek McKinnon got lost in the sauce because Isaiah Simmons was too busy, you know, looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's face, which I don't blame him, but at the same time, the game was way too fast for Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, when... Everyone said, you know, he's, he's not going to be starting. I was like, I, I would imagine he still plays. Like, he still should be, you know, good in coverage. Like, that he was good in coverage at Clemson. Oh, maybe he's not ready for that either. <laughs> Shit. So, he's, I mean, it was not a good game for him. All right, bar 28, fight. 28.3 coverage. 28.3. Yikes. All right, bar fight here. And we talked a little bit before the podcast, and I feel like I'm losing this bar fight. You're going to crack a bottle and slip my throat. But I thought Jared Dagey looked pretty good for West Virginia. I thought I, I so there was a couple of plays that I really liked that had me kind of feeling it. Uh, two inter, you know passes that were like ten to yeah. eighteen yards down the field into tight windows where I put I think he made the right decision and put enough on there to get it into the tight window. Those two plays and we've talked about actually at the intermediate level before. Yeah, like when you see those on tape, it's rare. Obviously, there's quarterbacks that have really good touch passes deep down the field. Derek Carr is a very good touch passer down the field. His three big-time throws that were deep down the field, a little underthrown, and I know that's what you're going to throw back in my face here. Yeah, to me, you also, had— Also, can we talk about— You um, had the nice touchdown throw over a linebacker, and you had the nice crosser over a linebacker. Yes, yeah. Those were nice. The rest of it was basically just uh, QB playing Eastern Kentucky. Like, you expect Fair. everything else was kind of just like— Here's a hitch versus off coverage. Here's this wide open crossing route. Here's this post route that they decided not to cover. And I can throw it basically to this 20-yard 20, 20 you know, radius, and my guy's going to come down with it. 
I didn't see much in the way of arm strength from Deggy. Now, again, we've said if you don't have an arm strength, you can still be good at quarterback in the NFL. You just have to have a lot of other things. And so we'll see. That, that's something I'm not going to decide from one game against Eastern Kentucky. But I'm not nearly as on board as you, you were hyping it up as if Deggy was fucking, you the know, man. burying like as if like it was what Spencer Rattler did. Spencer Rattler against Missouri State. Yes, shitty competition, but it was fucking impressive in a terms lot of, of the way it throws. went. Yeah. So. I didn't quite see as much from Daigie. Well, but. either way, I, I still am going to hold out true for Daigie. I want to see some more from the guy. I also want to talk about bar fight here. The fact that it's pronounced Daigie. I thought it was Doge, Doge. For, or Doge for a long time, but then I, I was listening. So I was doing mostly all 22 where there's no like sound, but then yeah. I, I finally saw a broadcast play and they're like, Daigie, go and date. I was like, wait, fuck. <laughs> Guy's name's Daigie. I'm glad I brought that I'm up. The, I'm the king of not giving a shit about how to pronounce names. It's true. So it's, just, it's true. That's why your credibility is shot. No one likes you. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for the um, two-for-one drafts episode, the Monday episode. We're going to be doing these at 4 o'clock every every Monday, continuing to look at rookies and prospects, doing deep review. If you have suggestions on... um, So don't bitch us about missing Monday Night Football players. Exactly, yeah, yeah. No Monday Night Football players, unfortunately. Maybe we do a little bit of a review on the the Wednesday pod. But if you have any ideas for segments, uh, guys we need to hit on next, please rate and review the podcast. Leave that um, suggestion in there. Uh, But that's going to do it for the pod, man. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2-4 Drafts.